0: Tonight we take a look at the latest episode of Slow Horses. After that, a comprehensive look at They Called Me Magic, and then we'll conclude with a deep dive into Guild Wars 2. All this coming up right now on The Writer Brothers. <laughs> And welcome back to your Tuesday night home for general interest movies, games, shows, and books, past, present, and future. I am joined once again by Poyo Zapatos, a.k.a. John, my co-producer, and of course Corione, which in residence, are sort of adopted new writer brother. And as you can see, we've kind of managed to dress up the place a little bit. And so with that, uh, why don't we get in? And and it's not just the latest episode of Slow Horses we'll be discussing, but of course, the exciting finale. So, uh, John, why don't you go ahead and get us started off on the Slow Horses finale?
1: Yeah, so we start out with the... uh, Honestly, I don't remember exactly how we started out, except for... The, they're chasing them through down the highway. We have the uh, main character, River and uh, Gary. Right, Gary. I forget yeah, his name. yeah. Gary Oldman's character. Uh, Gary Oldman's Jackson character, Lamb. and they're Lamb. Yep. Lamb, right? So they're driving down. One of the other teams is in another car, and they've run out of gas. Um, but it turns out they're going the wrong direction. Um, and they swiftly go back to the last stop of the, uh, the terrorists where they were. And we find them trying to chase them down while also watching the, um, the, we, we switch over and we see the, um, oh man i am stumbling all over myself right now
0: that's <laughs> all right
1: uh, it's all right
0: basically yeah. <laughs> they they tracked him down they, they managed to save the day and and it was uh overall i thought as far as a finisher went uh for a first season run that i was sad to see was only six episodes but hey i you know what they managed to tell the story they managed to keep me wrapped in it i thought it was well done overall and uh i would definitely recommend it it, it, to me i would describe it i was thinking about it last night while i was watching the show and i was like this is like a uh this is basically the other guys meets 24 this is the the Mm. jack bauer washouts if jack bauer failed that's kind of what this show kind of felt like and so i really enjoyed it for that aspect um and, and, and honestly, I, I thought that, that through and through a uh, I think you were saying before the show, you actually decided to go back and rewatch the whole thing.
2: Yeah. I, uh, I decided that, uh, as is my kind of tradition when, a, a season ends, I go back and I watch the whole thing so that I can kind of make sure I have the, that last episode in perspective. And, uh, yeah, there, there are some interesting pieces. I hadn't quite picked up that they had been setting up more or less from the get go that I thought were kind of interesting. Like, uh, for example, we start seeing all the, the connections with all of these characters. You start realizing that every one of the slow horses in one way or another is connected to uh, Diana for why they're actually in the group. And if it isn't Diana that's directly connected, it's Lamb when Lamb was working for Diana. So you really kind of realize that You know, the the Slough House really is like Diana's dumping ground for her own secrets. People that she can't get rid of for fear of those secrets eventually getting out when one of them like figures it out and writes their memoirs, but at the same time also needs them out of the way so she can continue, for lack of a better term, messing up and having, you know, more people that she has to kind of excommunicate from the main group.
0: Yeah, I I found the a lot of the twists at the end. Uh, I kind of did. I I, I kind of saw the twist coming where where Lamb was responsible for um uh for the other lady's uh, husbands demise. I, I kind of figured that was that was going to be the case. Uh, they seemed to kind of allude to that being the case, but they definitely. <laughs> showed that there's a lot of corruption involved with within mi 5 and that you're right slow horses is is basically or slough houses is that yeah that's where she sends her problems and hopes that they go away and it it kind of changed my perspective a little bit on how lamb treats that place he says we don't do anything and it's almost like maybe that's the agreement is that he basically keeps the the washouts under control, keeps her, her her dirty little secrets from from getting too involved in stuff, but not to the point where they're just gonna remove them from existence altogether. And so it, it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting relationship between those two, to say to say the least. To put it nicely, I guess you could say. Uh, John, looks like you have a thought.
1: Yeah, I think there's a little bit more to. Gary Oldman's like character especially when it came to Slough, like Slough House it wasn't it didn't to me it didn't feel like he was working out a deal um but more so that he was choosing to take a step back from the more like like the actual corruption like the actual initiation of the false flag event he didn't want his people to even be a part of it at the end, let alone would he have wanted them at the start. Like, I think with the revealing that he had killed the other character's husband, it really showed that he. It, it seemed to be like his last day in the actual uh, deep state. And now he was like, I don't want to be done, be like, I don't want to be a spy and quit being a spy anymore, but I definitely need to stay away from everything that's important. And so I feel like his intention with Slough Horses was actually more of a we're not gonna be the bad guys either. Like we're just gonna do nothing so we can only accidentally do good at the worst case. But it didn't really seem like he was in cahoots with anyone. Like there wasn't he really feels like like he's the Slough House is a requirement beyond everybody else to some extent it's just people know how to use them and diane especially but it also really felt like first desk when she finally arrived and was like telling diane like they were watching them get ready to shoot the unarmed combatant and like she seemed like she was a hundred percent in on it and she kind of like like that's why she ended up leaving was to let Diane do this for a minute, take charge, and if Diane fails, it's Diane's fault, and then Diane's had her backup, even though she was already the backup. It's really what I got. It really felt like there was a bigger world to soon experience.
2: Well, they they make a, a really great comment. Um, I believe it's in the first episode, when he's meeting with his grandfather, and it's something like, when you're in Moscow... Um, you know, you you bury your mis- You know, you you bury your witnesses or whatever. But when you're in London, you cover your butt. And it seemed mm. like everybody was covering their butt to the best of their ability through every means possible to try to avoid yeah. getting the stink on them once this all goes down.
0: Yeah, I really I... feel like go ahead, go for it, Parker. No, you talk first. <laughs>
1: all right i Um, I, I was yeah (laughs) (laughs) okay all right all right i was just gonna say that it really felt like that one quote at the beginning saying that that in london you cover your ass that was the entire theme of the whole show was how hard you go to cover yourself
0: yeah def- right, definitely I, I did also like i said I, I liked i really liked a lot of of the uh the i can't remember the kid's name who was kidnapped um he had some pretty good hassan, lines. i think it was. huh hassan was his name yeah i think you're right yeah he uh i should just pull up the imdb page before the show starts from now on but anyway uh i've done that before oh well i really liked a lot of his lines you know yes there was the joke that he made like there's 1.8 billion muslims you're gonna need a bigger van i thought that was funny but i really liked the line that he gave in this one when he's when he said that you know when when uh when, when the brotherhood guy is is like oh you know i'm i'm gonna kill you and then they're gonna come and shoot me down and he goes oh so you're gonna be a martyr just like the suicide bombers I really like that line because it really drives home the point, that the, the difference and the importance of recognizing people as individuals. Because he, he said that in, in that moment to make a valid point about you're no different than the people you supposedly hate. You're just like them. And he also himself, Hassan, wants nothing to do with them, those people either. And that's what he managed to say. He managed to say both of those things in just that one line. And so I really like that because it really brings to light the reality that just because somebody might believe a certain way or act a certain way, it doesn't necessarily mean that they are that extreme person. And so I think the show did a great job of taking extremist ideals and just kind of pushing them to even further and working that into the plot while also working in the whole aspect of the false flag and just all of the, the intention behind MI5 to try and stage this whole thing to, to make them look good and justify their budget. And so, but then in the end, the slow horses, the, the guys that they don't like, that they want to just kind of have go off into a corner, are the ones that end up stepping up and, and morally doing the right thing by preventing an unarmed uh Yeah, an unarmed prisoner from getting murdered, essentially. And I mean, even Hassan was said, no, he needs to stand trial. He can't just be killed in cold blood like that. I mean, he deserved it, but he was right. He still needed to stand trial. So I think the show hit a lot of marks in a, in a lot of ways. It, it wasn't afraid to uh step on toes, but I didn't feel like it did it in a way that some of the other shows that's on. You know get preachy about it they just simply told a story and i think this is a good example of of good storytelling overall you, no matter where you stand politically no matter what message you want to put out this show did a good job of just telling the story it wanted to tell and so yes i i continue to recommend this show it's it's different it's dark but it's not it's absolutely worth it
1: i think yeah. you said it best at the beginning it is very much at 24 meets the other guys.
0: Yeah, exactly. To carry on, you had to... Yeah, I, I think um,
2: th- there were three things that I really noticed on the watch through. One, I think this tells a really good story on why extremism in any form is bad. Absolutely. Regardless of, of where it is, any sort of extremism, any sort of... Belief without compassion is just never going to work, and it it kind of gives you that theme from a lot of different angles. I was also going to say that something that I don't think this show gets a lot of praise for, and it should, is actually the musical accompaniment and the background noise. The audio production on this is actually really good, and it's only something you notice when you're not in the the moment of the action is you realize how much they really did play with. You know, background ambiance and sound, and how good and seamless that sound was. Like, I wouldn't necessarily pick up the soundtrack to this to listen, you know, without the show, but it had so much to the show.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it it, it was a. Uh, they, it, I think, and this is just a, this is just a speculation. I think the music composer started with the opening theme song. It's it's that it's that Rolling Stone song. I can't remember the title off the top of my head. Um, and I think that they built the soundtrack off of that style. Similarly to how Giacchino did with the Batman, he used a a Nirvana song, and it worked. It really, yeah, because it really just makes you feel the, the the grittiness of the situation. And and it, it I was like. And I also got to give it credit too. it managed to subvert my expectations throughout the entire, just about throughout the entire, except for the, the ending, which I kind of saw coming, but everything else, it, this show did not go the way we thought it was going to. And I was even surprised at kind of the way they ended it, where they had the one guy run away in the van and, and then he gets gunned down, you know, reaching up to, to touch his wound cause he's in pain. Um, and then of course they plant the pistol to cover their ass as is the theme of this season. And from there, uh, it was just the the way the rest of it played out, I thought was was actually pretty well thought out overall. And I'm actually looking forward to season two. Um,
2: Yeah, um, I have good news on that uh, on that front. It has been 100 percent confirmed. They've already cast and are preparing to start filming for season two.
0: Yeah, I mean the the trailer seemed to seem they already had footage to work with. So uh, who knows? Maybe they maybe this will be one of those shows that just kind of gives us an off season kind of off thing. And if it does, great. I mean, I, I'm actually excited for that premise. Looks like they're gonna go MK Ultra this time. So I think that'll be a, a compelling story to work with on that. I mean, I don't think that's primarily gonna be it, but that, that definitely was what that was the hints I picked up on right away when they're talking about sleeper agents. Uh, but what do you guys think? What's, what What do you think season two is going to bring us?
1: I well, go for it. I suspect the season two is going to be a more, it, it feels like they're headed towards cleaning out the rot. Um, Whether it's going to be like they magically clean out the entirety of MI5 and then move on to the CIA is extremely doubtful, Um, but it really felt like through the trailer sequence that they gave us that they were lining up for a we're going to clean Diana out, like the way she used us we're going to get more on her. And I think that there's going to be a lot of room to see her have done a lot more dirty deeds that we never expected.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, so you think it's going to be a bit of a revenge story in the process too?
1: To an extent, I I don't necessarily believe that it'll be revenge uh, for this one act. I think it's going to be more like just retribution. So they're going to be, compiling a case to get her kicked out and that's what we're gonna see a lot of is either them getting the data or reviewing and what for us will be a flashback of the data or event that's i think what we're gonna get more from season two based off just the way the show was headed in my head
0: yeah well and i mean we there is also uh, there is also a book for us to check out in in between. So we we can definitely do a, a book be show comparison in the future. I definitely would like to. I mean that's that's part of what we like to promote on this show is more books. Um, but yeah, I, I think they did a lot of uh, they did a lot of things right with this show. And uh, you know, Lamb makes sense to me now. His jaded perspective, I get it. Um, he's he's had a lot of people die, and that's basically why he's just so detached and and that's 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 how he chooses to see things and process things and so it's like okay i'm a little less critical of his methods of saying that you all suck and i really like how cartwright finished his sentence that last time when he's like yeah yeah i know but we're all shit and she was less shit or or something like that it was it was funny and that's just it. It, it it really shows i think good writing capability when you can do a show as serious as Slow Horses, and then have the ability to inject humor the way that they did throughout the the series and those those some of those off moments that I, I really liked it. So I'm definitely going to watch season two, and and we'll definitely cover it. But does anyone have any final thoughts? Any final uh, final discussions for the? Uh, Uh, For season two, or season two, (laughs) season one of Slow Horses.
2: Well, I I, I just feel like the, I'm really hoping the next season gets more episodes. um, Because I feel like this is a a series that deserves the, you know, the old standard of like 62 or 52 episodes a season. Because, man, this thing is fantastic.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it, like I said, it, it. It subverted expectations, but also managed to, to stay on what it was trying to do. And so it, it's, it's definitely worth uh, checking out again, probably. I mean, seeing as it's only six episodes. And that's the other thing, too. I think we talked about this last week with the fact that shows are so serialized. And it's kind of hard to want to sit down and commit to a... 10 15 episode serial right well this show is only six episodes and so i th- that would definitely be a little easier for me to go back and, and do but uh with that um i think we've pretty much covered it unless john do you have any final thoughts on on uh, slow horses
1: no definitely would recommend though First yeah very, and that's what so, you know a show slow. is good too the, really the, the, fun fe-
0: oh sorry cut you off
1: oh uh yeah, uh, just one more thing to add, I guess. Um, well, I, I would say I recommend it because even though it is a very much version of The the Other Guys Meets 24, it's not, uh, it's not the same, like, the big bad. It, it, it's not a whodunit thriller, surprisingly. You start to know who's the bad guys and who the good guys are right away, but you realize that, like, it's a human chaos event. And it's really fun to like listen to all the different parts of that. And the show does a really good job of showing you how much is really going on versus what the world's actually seeing. And it's pretty, pretty fun.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, that's probably the mark of a good show too, is, is one where we're not ripping it apart constantly. Uh, mm. but who knows next week for the first time in this show's history, we might not have an Apple product to discuss. So I'm a little scared. Uh <laughs> Ah, we'll see. Next up is the Magic Johnson documentary on Apple TV. Um, I thought this was just a couple hours. It would go through, show us about how his contribution to the sport was was absolutely, I mean, in a lot of ways, it was necessary to save the sport. But even just two episodes in, um, I am blown away by this story. In so many ways, for one, there's the raw aspect of it—the fact that they aren't trying to dress this up as "oh, you know, magic is so great." Yes, that's a part of it, and then for a lot of good reason. It's well earned. Uh, the man has had some natural talent that uh, that he he used and really helped change the sport, but. There's so much more about it with the historical context wrapped up that I was not even aware of. I mean, I didn't actually know anything about this going in. I mean, you know, everyone's heard of Magic Johnson, but you actually know Magic Johnson. And I'm not a fan of basketball personally. However, I do like a good documentary. And I think that a good sports documentary is one that can get me interested in the sport uh, or at least connect with it. And that's what I feel this one does a very good job of, is it allows non-basketball fans like myself to connect with that aspect of our culture. Um, like, I, I can understand now, watching that, I can understand the, the, the excitement, I can appreciate the uh, the fandom behind sports, because, I mean, sports and, and entertainment shows like what we watch and, and sci-fi, for example, they're really not that different they're both a, a sort of passion they're a, they're an interest and so that's yeah i absolutely love this so far however i'm not the only one here to discuss it so who wants to take it next
2: oh i'll go um yeah uh to me uh, again i'm not a huge basketball fan um you know i i don't really follow it much at all That being said, I mean, I knew about Magic Johnson from the the controversies that, that sprung up when I was a kid. And so, you know, I was naturally interested in this. And, you know, when you learn a lot about him, you start to realize how very, very human he is. And how, because of so much of his life being wrapped up in the sport, how many other aspects of his life suffered because of it one of the things that really blew me away was in the documentary it talks about well you know he grew up in a smaller michigan town he didn't have to travel that far every day like he he never really had to go more than an hour out of his home uh for anything because it was all kind of there and then when he gets drafted by la and he's suddenly in a huge megapolis he really only wants to stay in his little two-bedroom apartment because, you know, in a lot of ways, you feel like he's a little afraid to go out there and be out there in this big city when he's still used to being this kid from a small town because, in a lot of ways, in his rookie year and the the year after, he was still a kid, you know, from a small town being, you know, paid to play a game. I thought that was fascinating. I thought the whole... Situations with uh, with Cookie, which was his significant other, and the on again, off again relationship they had. Man, I, I never thought I'd go into this and be like, "Wow, this Magic Johnson thing is cool." But boy, do I really feel for that woman who had to deal with all the eccentricities that he brought to the table when she's just interested in in you know settling down and having a couple of kids with, with right. you know the person that she fell in love with in like high school.
0: Yeah, I I uh I really like the the humanization of magic and I really like and they they say it very early on, there's there's Magic Johnson and there's Irving Johnson. And they're two different people in a in a lot of ways. And and that makes sense because when he's when he was Magic and he was out there on the court, you know, he's putting on a show He's not just playing the sport. He's also trying to get to help generate fan interest and, and get people excited. And so I, I really... I, I had no idea about any of the history of this. And so I was very just blown away by everything that, that's been presented so far. So... I absolutely... Uh, like I said, i oh, I lost my train of thought for a second. Um, it really is a good documentary um and i i what i love about it is this gives an opportunity for people who might not want to get into sports or the history of sports uh a chance to actually enjoy like i said connecting in this way uh, we do have some comments in the chat from our friends at super gamecraft grow skilled wars 2 don't worry it's not on yet oh a show about magic johnson neat if you guys like this, check out The Last Dance about Michael Jordan. Very similar vibes. Okay, cool. Yeah, we definitely will We'll look into that. I mean, we don't necessarily have to keep everything current, and actually, I think we're a couple weeks behind with Magic Johnson. Um, but yes, uh, Super GameCraft, you guys are still watching. Uh, this one is absolutely worth it. It's a four-part series. I only got through the first two episodes myself, uh, but John, you did get through all of it, so uh, why don't you go ahead and take a, take a few minutes to explain it?
1: Yeah, so I went into this one completely confused why we had decided to do it as a topic. Um, I'm very far removed from basketball and really just any sports in general. Um, just not. I don't keep up with any of the stats. It's hard. So I went into this one kind of sluggish in terms of like wanting to watch it. So I watched it all this morning. Um. And the first two episodes, they talk about a man and his growth and career and love of a sport and his desire to win. And it was really powerful in terms of um, drive and discipline and his devotion to be able to achieve. But when the next two episodes come out and they describe his post-career, post-retirement from the Lakers and the NBA and the wild ride of a life that he went through and the way that he took it in stride um, it blew my way, blew me away at the first episodes i was like okay cool another you know all star being an all star and obviously they're going to say like all star things that made them to be an all star but it was really crazy to see that his mindset only changed direction not power Like, when his fight became a fight against disease, he put just as much, if not more, effort into fighting to, one, kill it himself, and two, kill the stigma around it. And he put a ton of effort into proving the world wrong, even though... I mean, a lot of people, especially in his his community, they were all cheering for him. They wanted him to fight. So the world that he was proving wrong was more just that personal fight against death. And he's done so much as a one is somebody who's like brought a lot of attention to the AIDS and HIV uh, pandemic, but also one who's done a lot for South Compton and Compton as a whole in L.A., because that's his home. And he actually, you know, he took up the, the, uh, the honor of building his home and, and taking care of his home. And the, the show really showed me what a baller can do after being a baller and how they can still actually contribute and change the world that they live in, even if they can't do the thing that they love every day anymore. And, and Dan did Magic Johnson do that? It was awesome.
0: Wow. Yeah. No. I'm definitely excited to check out the rest of this. Uh, probably maybe tonight or over the next couple of days. Um, yeah. I I really like the the. They definitely jump around a lot in his life, um, which I think kind of helps keep you interested, keeps you into the into the story, uh, bouncing around on the timeline. I really like the. I, I really like the origin of his name. And I did not know that he had gotten it so early on in life. I-, I thought that was really special, the way that he and the reporter connected. And he's like, I'm going to call you Magic. And he's like, yeah, okay, whatever. And then the next thing you know, he's being called Magic now. And so it was a very, it was very cool getting all these different aspects of his life, uh, the disagreement with the coach and how that kind of blew up in his face over it. But it was... Uh, You know, it just wasn't working for those two. And so the new coach had to step in and then they worked fine together until until he had to move on to other things. And so it's it's really just like I said, it does a good job of keeping things easy for the viewer, especially if you're not familiar with basketball. If you're not familiar with basketball, I highly recommend this because it's it. you, You understand how things are going. They explain stuff enough without having to know the rules of basketball to at least appreciate the struggle that the uh, Los Angeles Lakers went through uh, when they when they first signed Magic Johnson. You know they were not a they were not the team that we're used to seeing nowadays. Um, that was in part built up because of Magic Johnson. And so it's very fascinating to get that, that, that cultural history through all of it. And then getting everybody else's perspective, too, was, was nice. Um, I, I did not know Snoop Dogg's uh, tattoo was because of the championship, but I thought that was really cool. Um, And he not only just wears the tattoo, he even has a replica of it that he wears as a keychain sometimes, or as a as a necklace sometimes, or I don't remember how he said he wears it now. I think about it, but it it's yes, absolutely worth the time. I mean, I honestly I lost track of time because that's how good it kept me into the into what was going on. And so from a writing perspective, this was well pieced together. This was was absolutely narratively this works it's a good story um so yeah carry on any any more any other deep thoughts
2: yeah i mean how many non-political documentaries can you remember that have two former u.s presidents that were interviewed for them
1: (laughs) right that's wild i didn't even think about that
2: but I mean now that you think about it you're like oh yeah right and when you think about it that way that should tell you at the very least how much of an impact this guy had on so many different people from different walks of life
0: yeah yeah yeah, and and that's honestly what I liked a lot too was learning that his he seemed to respect his fame to an extent I mean, there was probably... I mean, it, it would happen to any of us. We we achieve maximum uh, fame the way that he did over something we love doing. Like, I, you know, one of, the, one of the reasons why I'm okay with this show being where it's at right now is because, you know, we don't have to put on anything... And we're not ever going to change our formula here too much to, to attract viewers. I mean, we'll play the algorithm games and whatnot, but, I mean, we're still going to be our show. Um... However, uh, it, I, I mean, if we
2: had the opportunity to have the Lakers, the Laker girls do an intermission for us, I mean, I wouldn't say no.
0: Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Especially if we go to three hours, we're kind of going to need something like that. It'll probably just have to be us to start. But, you know, we, we gotta, mm, uh,
2: I don't know if I have the hips for that, but we, we can try.
0: Well, uh, it, you know, it definitely would bring in viewers. Uh, so <laughs> maybe, maybe not necessarily as. Uh, it bring in people, you know, in its own special way. But yeah, I didn't even know about any of that. Like, I didn't realize that that was all part of part of putting on, you know, showtime. Uh, I mean, the whole aspect between, like I said, it's it's so much more than just a game to it. It's it's a lifestyle. It's a it, it, it's a it's performance art in the process. But Like, I, there was so many. There's so much that is that was going on with how they wanted to bring the Lakers to, to where they are now that I had no idea. I just, I didn't know anything about it. However, um, now I do <laughs> thanks to thanks to how well researched this was and everybody that, that contributed their thoughts and, and whatnot. It's, it's, and I didn't even know about the rivalry with Larry Bird. You know, I heard about Larry Bird that, that he was also a great basketball player, but I really loved that, that there was a, a that, that they first started out. I mean, that in of itself is the kind of thing that you could make a biopic about is, is the rivalry between Larry Bird and Magic Johnson. And I re- and that's what I felt this kind of inadvertently did in the process too, because they started playing together and they actually played like seamlessly together, which was amazing. But then they went back you know to their real life and then they were on opposite teams for the rest of their careers. And, and so it's like first, first, it's it's really that kind of that, that tragic hero hero story where two great legends that started out as friends, and, the, and but that's just it. Magic didn't just have that with Larry Bird; he had that with the other guy on the on the Pistons as well. And those two had their friendship fall apart. I mean, there's so much that even just in those two episodes that was going on. That I've been blown away. And yeah, you're totally right, Carrion. There's nothing political about this documentary at all. It's just showcasing his life and the his- history behind it. And I didn't feel like it was preachy at any point. I-, 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 I have nothing but good things to say about this documentary. And so, yeah. John, do you have any other thoughts?
1: No, I, I definitely think you hit it all in the head. Carrion? Yeah,
2: I mean, I- I'm looking for... I've. Like you, uh, P.D., I only got through the first two um, the, the first two parts of it. I'm looking forward to sitting down and watching the rest, although I think I'm going to try to drag in some friends and whatnot who are not, who's, you know, the closest connection they have to, to sports is maybe watching uh, A League of Their Own a couple of times. So, you know, I, I'm going to see if I can drag them into this because it is such a fascinating discussion about this man's life.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and I mean it, it 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 really is it really is something special. And I hope we can see more of this because I don't have I actually have more respect for Magic Johnson than I, than, than I thought I would have when when they're talking about him, you know, the on and off relationship with with Cookie Johnson. You know, it, it's not it's not something that I would do personally. However, the fact that they were so open about it and the fact that this documentary is just, it's so real, really is what sets it apart uh, from a lot of others. You know, you watch a sports documentary, it's usually, oh, you know, remember the, the, the Miracle on Ice and how great the Miracle on Ice was and and you know all these players, they came together and they won a game against Russia. Well, why don't we do like a Miracle on Ice series that we get, you know, a little more backstory into the into the people, so we can relate to them more. Yeah, you know, and I felt Magic Johnson is now more relatable as a human. He's not just some big basketball star or, or former basketball star. He's he's an actual person who went through real person issues. But I also gotta say too, I really like, I really like how he was kind of like his own sort of version of Ted Lasso before there was a fictional character named Ted Lasso you know he's smiling all the time he's in a good mood he he's taken just about everything he can in stride um and and he he really set the example he he really is a good role model even to this day and i'm looking forward to seeing the the rest of the stuff that that gets into it i, I mean john is there anything else in the next in the next couple episodes that really stuck out that that you'd want to add to what you said earlier
1: yeah I would honestly say one of the biggest things that really hit me about the documentary is the way it was filmed. It really felt like Magic Johnson wasn't in charge of the filming. And his family was a lot more open than I've seen a lot of other documentaries of families be. Um, they took a lot of time to really like talk about their feelings and the way it felt growing up with the man. Rather than... You know, just being like, "Oh yeah, our dad was a great. It was great." Instead, it really took the time to like get to know the children, even though it was brief time. Um, because the documentary is about Magic Johnson, it wasn't about his children, but it did explain uh, a lot in in terms of a timeline. Cookie explains it the best um, is is how their children uh, grew up, but at the same time, each of their kids like described the feelings, and that felt rare but also very open and it felt also like magic johnson may have been hearing some of that stuff for the first time as well and it really felt like he was throughout the whole documentary becoming a more open person because he it felt like he heard everybody else give their feelings and then he started giving his feelings and that felt really human um like, he doesn't get mushy by any sense, but he definitely gets more of a, it, it felt more like he was willing to just tell you how he felt, and he, he really didn't hide behind uh, nice words about it, but he also didn't, like, suddenly break down. Like, it really just felt like he's like, well, yeah, I, I was also, like, having a hard time trying to change my opinions about certain things, and, and you're like, oh. Right. People do struggle to change. It's one of the hardest things that we do every day. And it really felt like he took a lot of time to be better. Even throughout just his presentation in the documentary, anytime he was discussed or discussing his part in the actions in the story, he still he seemed to grow with the actual filming of the series, and it was really cool to watch that. mm mm-hmm.
0: So it's almost like this was sort of inadvertently an, an introspection for him to look back at moments of his life, but more in depth, while also hearing the opinions of other people. Is, that, is yeah. that? Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's a perfect way to sum it up.
0: Yeah, and I mean that's it. Just adds to why this is such a good, a great piece of work, and and I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what the other Apple uh, documentaries bring us. Because this is this is this is good in more ways than I was expecting. You know, I, I went into this thinking, you know, yeah, it'll be a sports documentary, but it'll kind of be an eye opener. You'll learn a few things, and you know, I, I honestly I thought this was just going to be a, a quick little twenty minute blurb. Um, but I just I can't I can't praise this 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 production enough. Because it, it's it's such a good, solid deep dive into Magic Johnson's life, and and that's why I wanted to, to put more time to it. Because it's it's it is not. I can understand being hesitant about committing four hours to a a series like this, and that's why I like that it's broken up into one-hour blocks because uh, we can have. You, know, you can have breaks. You don't have to watch it all at once. I mean, it, it definitely tries to hook you and keep you going and, and wanting to come back for more. However, it, it does a good job of also, you know, say like, Hey, it's okay if you need to take a break. Like I don't, I'm, I'm not too worried about getting to those last two episodes. Cause I, I will watch them. This is worth watching. Um, and, and this, is, this is what I want to see more sports documentaries like, or at least, at least ones that are that are well researched and actually give you all of the information. You know, this this isn't a puff piece about Magic Johnson. This isn't this isn't trying to make him out to be something he's not. We're getting to see that, but we're also getting to see the other things that 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 made him who he is. And it's it's really nice. It's refreshing because it's not it's not a deconstruction in the way that some of the, uh, the, the pop culture has taken fictional characters and has really torn them apart. It's really is just a, a thorough examination of this man's life. And again, I got to commend him even more for going this far because this is, this is very, a lot of this stuff is very personal and, and he's not afraid to share it. And I think that's, again, he was inspiring to watch on the court now he we can go a step further and say that he's inspiring just in just as a person just as a man to to be inspired by his transparency and his 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 uh i guess you could say his secure position where he's at in life um yeah yeah, current oh go ahead
1: Oh, I just had one thing to add. Um, I finally realized that compare and contrast. If you're into serial killer documentaries, the first two episodes really do feel like you're building up to and then he became dot dot dot. <laughs> um, and, and it still flows in that same story, but it takes you down a completely different journey that has just as satisfying of an ending. But the way you were just describing it in the, the segments of each episode, it, it really feels like we're watching his childhood, his prime, and then his what's supposed to be his fall, and it turns out he glides back up. And it's really impressive and powerful in the mo- or in the series itself, but also I just thought that was the best way to describe the flow. The first two episodes will build like a serial killer but that and then moment and you see somebody go good and not evil for once it's pretty great
0: yeah definitely um and 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 yeah i I totally agree uh carry on any other thoughts on the uh they call me magic documentary uh your sound is offline so we'll carry on Gets that figured out. Um, I, I just I gotta say too, Apple is really bringing the pain when it comes to uh, the uh, quality of shows. Oh, I guess it's gonna reinitialize. So that works. I mean, this is this, this, this. We have between this show and between Severance and Slow Horses and um, Foundation. Uh, John, I think you said Tamaran. Is did you actually watch that one yet or?
1: i did i watched a few episodes it's uh there's so many subtitles it's so hard it's mostly supposed to be in iran and i did not realize that when i started it so i'm gonna have to restart it but it is
0: we might be able it's
1: another 24 style but this one's way darker and way weirder I even though I didn't know what anyone was saying, so I still have no idea what's actually going on. I know something crazy is going on because I watched like six episodes before I finally gave up.
0: Well, we'll definitely we'll definitely look into that, and we'll also be be probably looking into other. Oh, Mythic Quest! I finally got Hannah to start watching Mythic Quest, and uh, yeah, that's that's another great show that that so I really fun. like. I didn't I didn't notice it the first time I watched that one, but that one really does a good job <laughs> of creating its own universe. Uh, Anyway, carry Despite
1: using Ubisoft's universes. Yeah. Assassin's Creed and For Honor. I saw them. First, second.
0: Oh, that's right. They did have some plugs for that.
1: Oh, it's all of the scenes in season one, all video game scenes are, except for whatever they used to show the shovel scene, it's uh, um, Assassin's Creed and uh, For Honor
0: oh so that's what they use for their uh for their gate in-game footage
1: yeah and in the second one they use (laughs) more
3: oh there it goes again
1: i think they use different footage um i noticed that uh the end of season one that one's definitely a different generator or a different engine but not the first, two. It's actually, I think uh, Montreal, Ubisoft is the one that it's modeled after. The yeah. group that they described that they're talking to. Mm-hmm. Uh, Montreal. Oh, there. I uh,
0: heard you agree with Ubisoft. John that time.
2: Yeah. yeah. Alright, and we're back. <laughs> Had to beat my computer into submission here.
0: Sometimes, sometimes you just gotta, yeah, you just gotta I don't know how you beat a computer into submission. Maybe with an electric whip. It's,
2: uh, I'm old school. I just take it out back behind the woodshed.
0: <laughs> anyway, uh, any more thoughts for uh, They Call Me Magic? Or just Magic you know, Johnson in general, really?
2: You know, honestly, I would I would just really encourage people who would not normally check something out like this to give it a shot. If the first part of it, which is really only about an hour, doesn't hook you for the rest of it, I, there's nothing I can say that won't, that will um check it out it's worth it's worth the uh it's worth at least an hour of your time if not for the whole series
1: if yeah. you're only going to give it an hour though start at episode 3 because <laughs> that's where the story takes off into a more human and whole human um because it is the man after the game and that man deserves the recognition so like he did a lot.
0: So you so so what you're saying then is like for the fans of Magic Johnson who already know all the stuff that happens in the first couple of episodes,
1: um, they can also jump ahead and see what probably, he became okay. afterward.
0: Yeah, and yes. that's and that, go ahead.
2: See, I don't know. To me, the most amazing part of this was how human. How much of dude? It's a teenager who got his his dream of playing professional basketball came together that really intrigued me about the whole thing it by making him that human in the first little bit it sold me on the rest
1: so that's weird i felt like he it it, it's not that he did have this story of extreme luck but it seemed very one in a million and that part disconnected me personally just that idea of like what are the odds and it to me that's why i say it's like the next half of his life are like what are the odds this is the kind of person you would become despite like getting the worst diagnosis of the time of your life like in a row you know and and for him to become a bigger and better person instead of a weaker tireder person just it blew my mind it was, it, it changed everything about him and that's what this documentary did is because you are right his story in the beginning is also like wow that happened to a person that could happen to anybody but the next part is like that's the worst thing that could happen to a person and also the best possible result despite it so you might have to end up watching all four hours if you really want to have a good time
0: yeah well (laughs) and i i think too it's I literally just had a thought. I don't know what's wrong with me today. Oh, well, uh, audio problems, thoughts being lost. Well, and I think, I think so too. Oh, that's right. You were talking about that. You felt disconnected because it's a one in million chance for him to have succeeded that way. I don't agree. Um, I think when it comes to situations where someone who's like a famous actor, for example, um, you know, they, they, they appear on a bunch of movies and they get, you know, depending on who their agent is, they get all the best jobs, they get promoted. And the next thing you know, you know, they're a big star that's signing million dollar deals and whatnot. But in the end, at the end of the day, while I can respect the craft of acting, um, it's all fake. This is not fake. This is all real life. And he earned, he earned it. All of it. Yes, curry you're right. He got the dream. He, he scored the dream at a very young age, 19 years old, and he's already playing in the majors. That is not a small accomplishment in life, in, in, in any profession. That is huge. However, it wasn't because... Someone came along and was like, I'm going to make that guy a really good basketball player. This is going to be, he's going to be everywhere. He's going to be magic. The only person who did that was a small town reporter for a newspaper. He's the guy who coined the phrase. And, and so it's actually, it's, it's, I felt that everything that he got in life up to the point that I've seen in the two episodes, he earned it. He worked for it. He oh. had a natural talent for the game.
1: I, that's not the part that I felt that was disconnected. Okay. What it To me, more about the part that I say that felt disconnected is that he was one of the few people that would get the chance to perform in front of a reporter and also be capable. It, it It's not that he's one in a million chance in terms of like, oh, he just got lucky. I mean more in terms of like, one, he had the time to get good. And he practiced and he devoted himself to the love of the game. But then two, it just happened that the reporter got called to his second game. Because his first game, the reporter said, I watched a high school game. Thanks. But the second game was where he like stepped it up and played his heart out, not even knowing that the reporter was even there for the second game. Just him getting a better chance and a better show. And his team played better that night. And suddenly the reporter was like, well, I saw these two games. And in a week difference, this one kid changed the game. So, yes, okay. he definitely so you're talking about the specific everything. Circumstance. I'm saying that situation felt one in a million. Well, Especially by today's standards. Ahead, like, there's on. just more high schools and stuff like that.
2: Yeah, I was also going to say that one of the things that also interested me was... Uh, That his dad played and apparently played quite well. And when he eventually said, hey, dad, you know, like, why are, you know, why didn't you try to take a shot at this? He's like, I had a family. I had, you know, I I had people I had to take care of and I had to put that dream aside. So I was so happy that you got a chance to chase that dream. And that was a huge moment for me, too, because I'm sitting there going like, that is a dad that you know, was more than happy to sacrifice so that his kids could succeed. That speaks a lot, too, to a very deep part of what all was going on here.
0: Yeah, and it wasn't just... it. it Magic was the baby of the family, of, like, it, how many siblings did he say in total? Cause I,
2: I think it was, like, five.
0: I think, yeah, yeah. Six, oh, oh, closer to nine, which... Oh, wow. Yeah, I think they... Think yeah, it was like six sisters and, and three brothers was the was the total there, and and it's like, yeah. huh? I don't know. If so someone unique. wants to check it real quick, um. But the, the point is, it, it was a big family. It was not your your average, uh, you know, uh, United States American dream, you know, two point five children family. It was a it was a family family, like. So he, he wasn't just he wasn't just putting his career aside for like you know one or two spoiled kids he had to do it because they had a they had a whole pack <laughs> they were they were they were they were a family is what i'm trying to say a big family um was what families used to be back in the day but that's and so he wasn't he wasn't just
1: big siblings giving, and huh? three half siblings
0: three half siblings okay but he wasn't so just 90. giving up his dream for so yeah, he wasn't just giving up his dream just for magic, he was giving up his dream for all of the siblings and yet like how cool is that. And not only I mean you make a very good point, Carrion It really speaks to his dad's character about his response was he was happy for him. He didn't try to run his dream, he didn't try to live vicariously through him. He just he was like, Oh, my son's in the NBA. Awesome. I mean, that's how it came off to me, anyway. I Maybe mean, there's probably more depth there. Um, however, it, it was so. But that's just—that's really awesome. That—that's the kind of relationship he got to have with his dad. He didn't have a helicopter parent. He had a dad who was like, "Yeah, do it, go." I—I and—and he looked up to his dad. His dad was his hero, and he was also his motivation. And so, yes, I really like that—that father-son dynamic where, oh, I'm given this opportunity to do what dad couldn't. But not only do I get to do what dad couldn't, dad supports what I can do. And so that's... Oh man man. What an amazing... Uh, I mean, an amazing production, but what an amazing story. I mean, this really is more than just a basketball documentary it's more than even just a documentary about magic johnson it's it's there's the historical implications with the nba and trying to get this the show there there's so much to unpack with this one and it's all good it's all good stuff to unpack like i didn't i have not i wasn't bored watching this i wasn't like oh you know i'm doing sports because i feel i have to no, I wanted to watch this. I was curious, and this is like one of those times where you know you're digging in a cornfield and you struck oil. Um, yep. And that's 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 what I would say. Um, but yes, John, yeah, back to what good. you're saying about the the right place at the right time. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Like he he literally, fate fate gave him a second chance in that instance. Like there's no amount of variables, what variables and circumstances, because he even says that the reporter even says that I. Was told to go check out a second game, and so I did. And wow, I was blown away. It was like, <laughs> but but the pressure was it, off. It, it,
1: right, well, so like that's what I mean is, is I, do, I don't I don't want to denigrate his effort. Even when he was a child, he was putting in work. What I just meant to say is that the part about his work paying off at fifteen. And the fact that, like, it paid off in such a way that it carried him to be an NBA star at 19, that's where I was like, oh, if only that had happened, you know? And that, it, that's where the fiction, in terms of, like, there's no way I could ever imagine to relate like that. Like, I'm not 6'5". I wish, but I, I'll never be 6'5". And so that level of just rocketing to success... It's not so much that it's uh, really? unbelievable; it's just that it's like, okay, that's a whole different story. And then it was like, obviously, like to me, the big turnoff was just the basketball part, like because the part where you say acting versus basketball, earning it versus you know earning it. And I think there is a difference between acting and bas- basketball in terms of like physical devotion in some cases. Unless you look at like Tom Cruise because he does most of his own stunts for no reason. Um, but the acting is in its own way, it's, it's an intellectual effort where you have to study up on a fake character and then make that character seem real. And some are very, very bad at it and some are very good at it. And I think that equates is that Magic Johnson, the, the even this the series in the three and four episodes three and four they go into show how magic johnson like he tried to start a uh, a night show and his night show bombed so bad and it bombed because and, and it's even like uh magic johnson explains it he's just like you have to eat sleep and dream about being on The Tonight Show and hosting The Tonight Show to be even good at hosting it let alone earn it and I kind of just walked in there and I was not ready to devote myself to it and, I, and that I think right. is really what goes to show his true character is that like he thinks that skill is skill just some people devote all of their skill points to basketball and that's what he did and then that's where he started to learn to be better at devoting himself to other things and, and the show really goes on to show how he did it, and it's really cool.
0: Right. right. Well, and, and my point with the actors thing is, there's good actors and there's bad actors, and mm-hmm. you can still be a you can still give a, a an award winning performance on screen, and still be a bad actor in the sense that that it's just a job. You don't take it to heart. You don't. There, there's mm-hmm. the, you. The entertainment industry can be utilized to. Uh, create lots of illusions i mean we're creating some right now with the way i present this show um Mm -hmm. there's good ways to do it then there's bad ways to do it and the issue that you know the point that i was trying to make is there's no illusion when it comes to sports that is one of the that is one of the jobs that that you could argue is like any other kind of uh physical trade if you don't have the prowess for it You know, I can't grab a ball and just go be an NBA all star. Mm. That's not within me.
1: That's that's certain. I can,
0: however, learn how to pretend to be somebody else.
1: You could act.
0: Exactly. I I don't want to. Carry on? Please. uh, Oh,
2: okay. Yeah, I I was going to say that, like, I think with anything, there's. When it comes to acting, I feel like acting is a craft as opposed to a skill, right? Um, where anyone can pick up a craft, but there are some people that have natural talents for said craft and will excel. Uh, for example, I would argue that there are some absolutely incredible Shakespearean actors that even if you practice your entire life at the craft of acting, you will never hit the the skill level of. Same goes with sports, right? Same goes with with anything. Like I can dribble a ball, I can shoot a ball. I can, you know, charge down the court with a ball. I will never play at Magic Johnson's level, right? Um, conversely, though, you know, we all have our talents. We all have our skills. We all have our, um, you know, our, our things that we literally put, you know, our skill points into, and we get those because we're passionate about it, because we found it, and because we're willing to put in the time and effort. And what I would say is, yeah. I could probably become a mediocre actor if I was willing to put in the time, but I don't have that skill level, right? You know, somebody along the lines of hmm, like an Ian McKellen has that natural talent, but then has worked on his craft. He loves his stagecraft and it comes across when you see him in something that his characters are very believable. He's not just walking through those lines. He's living the character and spouting out those lines because that's what the character should be saying. And you, he makes you believe that. So, I mean, yeah, there are mediocre actors and there are amazing actors. And I feel that it's the same way with anybody who's playing ball, you know, any, any sport really, right? There are people that can play the sport. And then there are the people that, that hit those heights and yes, modern day, there are ways to cover up for not as great actors, um, CG and, and various ways to cut. But that if only that if anything speaks to the uh, the trade craft of the director and the editors, right? Yep. That they're able to cover for somebody like that. So I don't know. I feel like any any craft, any skill like that. Um, there are some people that have a certain natural talent for it, and then there are people that are just amazing at it. The The way I like to explain it is I can play a couple of musical instruments. I can play the flute, the ocarina, a couple of things like that. But I need sheet music in front of me. I need a metronome to get my timing down before I start playing. And then I can play whatever I'm, what's put in front of me. My sister-in-law can pick up any musical instrument take three seconds to look at a piece of music or even just listen to it once and play it so beautifully. It would make your eyes tear up. And it's because that's where her talent is. That's just what she's good at. And I feel like it's kind of the same thing with acting. I feel like it's the same thing with any sport.
0: Yeah. And, and and that's, you know, to tie this into, to to magic story he wasn't just good at basketball. I mean, we touched on it earlier. They also put on a performance. He took it to another level because he wasn't just doing cool stuff as a player and, and, and making shots. He was on the court putting on a show. And that was part of what made the Lakers so so famous in the long run. They, they took the sport and they had fun with it. And, but he did it so seamlessly. Like it wasn't, he he wasn't reading a script and trying to learn lines and, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, oh man, the thing that really impresses me about players like Magic Johnson and and anybody who does this is when they're jumping through the air and they're like faking where they're going to throw the ball into the hoop for those brief few seconds and they do the quick little thing. That is like, I know it's a tactic on the, on the court, but it's also really cool to just see them do it. Cause I can't do it obviously. Uh, I can't imagine how like like the timing that you get to just move your arms through the air because you don't you're not even pushing off anything you're you're mid-air. you're fighting against gravity to, to push the ball up this way oh no I'm gonna go this way and then I'm gonna score but that's just one aspect of it he was doing other stuff where he's not looking and he's throwing the ball to his he's looking one direction and he's fake passing to the other and there's just there's so much more to that than just being able to do the fundamentals and I think that's really why I respect respect him and respect why, you know, he got... That's why I say that what he got was was earned. And I think what I'm really trying to say is it was earned by just him being himself. He wasn't promoted so much. I mean, yes, he got those, those bits in the newspaper that definitely helped create his... helped build his persona. But there, there wasn't... He uh,
1: had to keep earning them. Like, they weren't going to keep writing about him if that was the last game that he exploded on. Exactly. He had to keep doing, like, like, and that's the thing, especially about media, is you can't just keep writing the same story. You can't keep having the same shutout day in and day out. Instead, he was going up and up and up until he left, right? Until he went and joined the NBA, he was doing better every day and he, he he very much deserves the title of the goat but he also like to me that that's why i keep like going back to the, the second episodes it's like when you become a goat what next and and so many goats that do exist even today have never gone to what's next they stop and what Magic Johnson did next just, it blew my mind. his willingness to not only take care of his family, but to take care of his community, to continue to grow his family despite all of the,, uh, the things that were preventing him from being able to start the fam- or grow the family he wanted. And and even just his family's reaction to his life, like, his kids seemed a lot more, human than i would expect a children of somebody like magic johnson like we mostly think of dysfunctional rich kids but instead we have three very very human children that have very good groundings in their lives and it's unbelievable their relationships with themselves and their father and that—that's what I mean by the next half is the best half. Is he—he's he, like, still alive, <laughs> and he's—he's yeah. he's got more to come. That's crazy.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and that's that. This is, again, it just makes me excited to watch the the last two episodes because I, I you know, I, I already liked what I had seen so far, and I, I just—it's, it, yeah. I, gonna repeat myself a little bit but again it, we got the history of not only the man but the sport the team the la lakers we got to you know get to get the opinions of getting that perspective from the other players uh, i think that was huge because they they all kind of have their own little uh, their own kind of perspective on him that that's really cool but even then we kind of got a little bit of personal personality from from those players too it wasn't just Magic Johnson's uh, show. It was. It was. Um, uh,
2: Kareem, Kareem uh, Yeah.
0: Yeah. Kareem's story about how his his, his dad rode on the bus with them because that's what he needed at the time, and and how like the the coaches were like yeah okay, like it's really cool to see that that people were were being human and caring about each other, in an era where it it felt like. Uh, you know, the workplace is a place of business, not a place for feelings. Which I, I kind of agree, but at the same time, you know, we can't we can't give up what makes us human, and we can't be expected to just turn that on and off when it's convenient for the boss. And so I think it was really for 100%, cool to see. One hundred percent,
1: you're always gonna get feelings because feelings are a part of that hundred percent.
0: It's part of our it's part of our existence, and so it was really cool. I think what I really liked. Was that, especially between the relationship between Magic and the owner of of the Lakers, just how they not only hit it off, but it, it was kind of like a, a you know an additional father son relationship, but but sort of like that you know they maintained their professionalism, but they also were friends, and so it was really cool to see the way they interacted and how they they how no, there was no honestly. I felt like I would have been happy to be a part of that team. And that's what I kind of felt like I got out of watching this documentary. It was was not only was I getting to to see to, to meet somebody who was a hero and a role model in a lot of people's lives, and rightly so. Even with all the mistakes he made, this man is still a man worth keeping as your hero. And and that's honestly what I think I respect about him, and what I respect about this documentary. Like I said, I got to not only feel the fan connection for Lakers fans, longtime Lakers fans, but I also got to just just feel like what it was like to kind of be a part of that team. And you know, even if I was a mediocre ball player, which I wouldn't even be able to be that good, <laughs> I still I, I still would have been happy to play on a team like that and and work with a bunch of guys that that obviously care about each other. But they also, you know, they they were. They, they did take things a little too far with the Celtics. I mean, it almost turned into a brawl, and and that was like that's how tense things were with that game. And and it was it was really interesting to, to watch people take sides over arbitrary bullshit. Uh, but look at the end result. I mean, this is this is what I love about sports. I'm not super into sports. I like the I like the smaller leagues. I like the. Uh, I like college football over NFL personally. Um, I don't watch basketball, but I do like that it has the intensity of football with mixed with the elegance of baseball, but I really love the camaraderie that you don't only get on the team, but the sheer, that the sportsmanship that can come out of rivalries. And when you get things like, you know, like those miracle on ice moments at the Olympics, for example, or even just in the United States or uh Corione, I'm, I'm sure you've probably got hockey fans up in up in your region
2: Oh, oh one or two one yeah, or two Yeah
0: I, I I love how the stereotype is always true when it comes to hockey with Canada Um but that's what's awesome about it though right It's the passion it's the it's the fact that you know we can pretend to hate each other on the court we can pretend to hate each other during the game but then afterwards it's like it's a love of the sport and it's that's what brings us together as people is that yes we can we can take sides and we can have teams over sports and we can root for these professional athletes but we can do so in a way that's not um malicious yes some fans take things too far that's the that that's something that we can work on as 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 you know as people as as a society as a collective whole we're getting better with it. But I would rather have to work with that problem and be excited for sports teams than, you know, other horrible stuff that that goes on around the rest of the world. And so I think that's what I really like about sports as a whole. I'm not a huge fan of the national stuff personally. I think there's too much corruption. I think there's too much. Uh, you're, you're kind of more so rooting for a logo these days. I think we need to try and kind of get things more back to team loyalty. However... Like I said, I have a better understanding of, of of the NBA as a whole. I have a better understanding of the Los Angeles Lakers. I, I feel like I can I can actually talk to a Lakers fan for five minutes and not you know <laughs> not know what I'm talking about. And, and that's that's what's cool about this documentary. And, and so Magic Johnson, if you somehow happen to see our tiny little show. Uh, yeah I'd love to sit down and have a beer with you someday if that's even possible uh, but I also won't stand in the way of your more longtime fans who are more deserving of your time and so thank you for being transparent about this thank you for for, for sharing your life to this extent and and you know well done by everybody on this this production did a great job. Uh, I don't have a round of applause button, but I would definitely give it to them. This, this production is, yeah, yes, yes. Soft clap, soft golf, golf, golf clap for everybody.
1: Um, so I was giving a round of applause.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love when the metaphor is taken literally. Thank you, Drax. Um, so yeah, uh, any final thoughts, guys, before we transition to our final segment of the night?
2: Oh, I think I'm yeah. good.
1: Yeah, that summed me up
0: okay well with that we are going to uh, move over to something that I have been playing quite a bit I actually did a, a uh, very late night casual filth for it and uh, it was it, it was actually a lot of fun I actually got a player last night a, a diehard fan of this game uh, and if you've been watching the, the stream you'll notice that we are now going to move to oh forgot to turn one thing off to discussing guild wars 2 guild wars 2 is an mmo a massive multiplayer online role-playing game it was released in august of 2012 so it'll be experience they'll be hitting their 10-year anniversary this year which is a huge deal for any game that uh, has, has been around that long and uh I, for the first time, am embarking into this world, and I gotta say, uh, I could do a whole show on this game. Uh, so any questions you guys have that as we come up, as I, as I start to rave and rant, please don't hesitate to ask, and, and we'll, we'll get into it. Um, so Guild Wars 2, it takes place after the first Guild Wars game, and if you know anything about that, then you know more than I do, because I never played the first Guild Wars game. I'm very much a noob when it comes to the lore and the history of this game, so there was nothing for me to really get excited about. Um, The reason I play Star Trek Online a lot is because I love Star Trek. You know, who would have thought? um i got into star wars the old republic because i loved kOTOR and when i was playing kOTOR i was like you know it'd be really cool as if we had an mmo like this and hey there it was um also swotor did a very good job of bringing you in the story making it immersive so i never really had a reason or a motivation to get into this game in particular um Looking at it, at first glance, I thought, ah, it's just World of Warcraft, which I don't care about because I'm just not into that genre. Uh, I still respect players who do love it, but it's just not for me. Um, I might try it again in the future. So, what finally brought me to this game was I didn't like the meta that... Uh, the, the the game meta for SWOTOR was changing to a uh, style that I was not excited for anymore. And... I felt like uh, they weren't taking the player concerns seriously. A lot of players um, that I talked to ended up stopped playing as well. So I've been on a hunt looking for a new MMO. As you know, we did uh, Lost Ark when that first came out. I have since stopped playing it for reasons we don't need to get into right now. Um, I also tried Final Fantasy, which is another one we'll do a topic on in the future. Um, but it just, it, it just, nothing was really like sticking enough, to, like really capturing me and getting my interest. Um, I tried Guild Wars 2 a while ago. Uh, I started as playing as a species called the Norn, uh, which is kind of a humanoid species that are shapeshifters. And I played the class known as the Ranger, and it didn't really capture me quite right away at the time. So I went, you know, back to trying to play other games, playing Final Fantasy, uh, keeping up with the latest Star Trek events that are going on. And, and finally, just recently, I, I actually think, uh, what, a couple weeks ago now? Uh, finally got gave this game another chance. I sat down and I was like, all right, let me give this one a, a fair shake. Um, I, I made a human thief, which I don't have any footage of right now. Uh, actually, what you're seeing is is my, uh, they're called the char. They're kind of a hybrid sort of mix between um I would say tigers and wolves. A very cool species. Um and I really like that they're not humanoid in the sense that yes, they walk on two feet. They can walk on two feet as you can see in the footage, but they're not uh they're not like the Caesans or the Cathar. The Cacians from Star Trek or the Cathar, which is basically just humans with fur. Um Personally, not really my thing. I, I prefer, like, animals to be animals, and I prefer something that's a little more anatomically inspired. And Oh, man, you guys are wrapped into the footage right now. Um, I love it. Uh, so I started as a human thief, and I started giving the gameplay. Uh, I just decided to really, like, try to get into it, and wow. Uh, learned very quickly that there are a variety of weapons that each class can use. You can take these weapons and you can make up different combinations. So like if you have a short sword and you want to try it with a dagger, you're going to get a set of abilities that have the short sword. And then your next second two abilities are going to be uh, special dagger abilities. Then after that, uh, you have other, each class has different other offhand weapons, or you have two handed weapons. Uh, One of the characters that uh, my wife plays, the guardian, uh, she uses a great sword and uh, she's having a lot of fun with that i think she uses that on the guardian and the warrior that can use the greatsword so i, I really liked playing the thief it was kind of a stealthier class it kind of felt a little bit like the assassin from swotor so i got that familiarity back so i really started getting into it then i decided to buy the game because i was really enjoying it and they don't do a subscription this is the other thing guys the game is 100 percent free you can not spend a cent on this game and play all the content except for one class that's blocked behind a paywall, and rightly so. It's a pretty badass class, which I'm about to talk about. But you don't have to spend money on anything if you don't want to. Actually, I think you can buy access to the Revenant class by grinding out stuff in-game and trading it for the for, for in-game currency. Um but yes, I, I actually had a player that was kind enough to join me. One of our new subscribers to the Twitch, Sloth the Unlucky, joined our joined our chat and then found me in game and and helped me out and, and guided me along. So community is really cool, really strong community, friendly community to play with, which I find important in a game, especially if I'm going to play something with other players. And uh, yeah, I, I I could go on. I'm going to go on because I have to fill the time anyway. Uh, it's just really good. So the the revenant was my second character. I decided to, to roll another norn as a, a as a as a revenant. That class, I think, carry on. You, you would definitely find fascinating it's basically a ranged melee type and it uses uh like like shadow type play so what it does is um for example one of the abilities if you use it you can use a big hammer with it and one of the abilities is you can have like phantom hammers uh, go out and attack enemies from a distance so you can play ranged um i think just about every class is capable of being a healer so there's no, there's no, uh, in MMO world, they call it the Holy Trinity. Um, are you familiar with that? Oh, yes. And what is the Holy Trinity, carry on? Tank, so a-
2: healer, and DPS. Exactly. Uh, traditionally represented by a warrior, cl- a cleric, and either a rogue or wizard, depending on the game you're playing.
0: Yep. None of that in here. You can play any class. Every class is capable of healing or playing a support role. Every class is capable, well, I don't know if every class is capable of tank. But you can basically play this. This, this game is very sandbox in its presentation. Um, there's lots of story to get involved. in actually, the, the latest story that I'm on now, which I'll just jump ahead on the... Uh, this is a story that really caught me. Was when I decided to play as what's known as the Silvari, and I'm specifically playing the class known as the Elementalist. Um, this class is really cool. It's basically like, it, are you guys familiar with uh, uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender? Mm-hmm. Very much so. Uh, this this class is basically an Avatar. You have fire abilities that you can cycle through. You have uh, water, and you have earth, and um, they call it air, but it's mostly lightning. <laughs> so, you know, you're. Uh, but what's really cool about it is I basically have the option to where I can throw rocks at people, or I can throw lightning. So, going back to slow tour for a second, it's basically like playing uh star wars the old republic the jedi sage and the sith uh the sith sorcerer combined into one class and i can switch between the different playstyles. so not only do i have a bunch of different weapon combinations with this class i also have being able to switch between the four elements so yeah yeah very cool class uh there's nine classes in total there's there's your warrior your guardian which is kind of more your dps uh, the ranger, which is kind of ranged by, by default, but you can also train animals. Um, actually what you're seeing here, uh, is, is, uh, Sloth, the unlucky there. These, uh, or they were demonstrating their, uh, some of their, uh, emote abilities. Uh, and then, yeah, Savari monk right there. Really fascinating history, really fascinating lore. Uh, the char, going back to the char for a second what really hooked me with their story is their primary adversary, their rival is a bunch of human ghosts. So hmm. they, yeah, that that's like their main bad guy. It's, it's a bunch of ghosts that, uh, actually, um, in the past lore took control of the char home city and the char obviously took it back, but the ghosts are still trying to fight it. But this is what's really cool is that a majority of the char don't hold it against the actual humans in the game they 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 actually are able to make that distinction between real life humans and ghost humans and and there's obviously factions of the chart there you can see me using some of the lightning um this particular build out is with a weapon called the scepter and a focus as as the or no wait scepter and dagger i'm using a dagger as my obvious so yeah lots of fun to just sit there and and zap and then yeah i turn myself into a ball of lightning and throw myself at them Uh, uh, The animations for the fights and for the abilities are... And then, yes, I casted a lightning storm. Again, it's free. I I can't emphasize enough. Absolutely check it out. Totally worth the time. Totally... I've, I've... I think I've found my my Star Wars The Old Republic replacement at this point, because there is so much to explore, and the map is huge, massive areas. Everyone gets their own starting area, and you can go and visit the different uh, races, worlds. Um, There's a lot of things that this game is doing right narratively that I absolutely love. There's a lot of things that that this game is doing gameplay-wise that I really love. Um, All the mounts fly. So even if you get like a, a raptor, you can fly it around. Um, that I won't get till I think they said level 50, or I could be getting that confused with Final Fantasy. Either way, I'm looking forward to getting into the flying aspect. I just, I just got to get a character to max level. Highest character I have is level 24, because <laughs> for some reason I'm just looking at the different classes and I'm like, ah, you know what? I want to, I'm gonna try that. And that's the whole reason I started this, Sil- this Silvari character was I was like. Oh, an Elementalist. So, I'm basically playing the uh, the Avatar. Now, the only downside to this particular class is it is considered a glass cannon. So, definitely, I, I got to get used to maneuvering around. I got to make sure I'm not getting getting swarmed or swamped because it is... I don't think I've actually perma-died with this character yet. Oh, wait. I did once when I fell off. <laughs> oh, this is the other thing, too. When you lose health, you don't die right away. You actually have, like, a fighting chance to, to actually keep fighting while you're mostly incapacitated and you can get re- you can either get revived by a teammate or a teammate can come help you and you you rally and you get your strength back um and then this part coming up right here they have all these different vistas that you can check out um in every single map and it just you know quick little uh cut scene to show you the the and i really appreciate this because it it really helps put focus on the artist's work the people who did the world building and this is keep in mind these graphics that i'm in i I haven't even gotten to the newer game stuff this is all from 2012 and i'm blown away by how well this all looks for being 10 years old um could use a facelift sure but i think it holds up pretty well i don't know what do you guys think
2: yeah i mean it, it looks solid still
1: yeah, it's it's giving me pretty uh, heavy Spyro vibes, in terms okay. of the look, but the feel definitely it definitely looks like a, a SWOTOR in terms of feel.
0: Yeah, so the the nice thing about it is it doesn't play like SWOTOR either. Um, I, it, I'm surprised. I don't think this game has controller support if I'm remembering correctly. It should, but it, it's mm. it's very easy. It's a lot. So instead of like with SWOTOR where you have like twenty power bars. Um, this one you only have the one, so you only have like five active abilities at a time. And when you switch hmm. weapons, like I said, those active abilities change. And so it, it's it's really awesome in that regard because you like I said, you can come up with a different combination. You can come up with different combinations of weapons, so you're not just stuck to like one weapon type. You you your class, each class I think has like how many different combinations? Twelve combinations of weapons that you can use Hmm. yeah um the elementalist has the least amount of weapon combos but that's because with this class the weapons are kind of more of a placeholder for your abilities they're not really actually meant to be used whereas the other classes do utilize all the weapons uh, as part of their their combat style so there's a variety of combat styles so you can try like if you pick a class and you don't like the default weapons that you start with you can you can throughout the game as you go through all these tasks. You can either find weapons in the game. Uh, you can talk to merchants, and you can see what weapons your class is able to use, and then you can do all different combinations of them. What's cool is every class except the elementalist has hot swapping. So if you're playing a, a class and you don't like the uh, don't like the weapons that you're using, or you're getting bored. Um, you can switch to a different weapon set and so that's yeah again i i uh uh, go ahead with that comment john Uh, john you can go ahead and shout out comments at any time for some reason it dropped mine
1: oh yeah no worries slot the unlucky been lurking the whole time thought i'd say hi welcome Thank you for uh, being here. Really yeah, appreciate it. Well, well,
0: welcome back, Sloth. Uh, I did appreciate your, your guidance and some of your insight. And and yes, feel free to correct me on any information in the comments. We, we try to keep as active during the show as we can. And you know, as we get more people into the discussion, that's something we'll also have to balance. So uh, yeah, we appreciate you dropping by again. Um,
1: yeah, for sure.
0: So yeah, and actually that was, uh, yeah, that was, that was sloth gliding in right there. So yeah, they even have like a glider that you can glide around on. I haven't gotten that yet. Like I said, I, I keep, I keep hitting like level 23, 24 and I'm like, Ooh, I'm going to go try this class. And I mean, like I said, there's nine classes, not just, not just the stuff that's race specific, the four different races and nine classes. I mean, there's any combination of stuff. I've, I've, uh, I think Sloth even said that they have 11 characters that they cycle through. And I'm like, of course. I mean, that makes sense. There's... And it's extremely alt-friendly. And I would even say it's, it's it, and by alt, I mean alternate character. Um, it's not just alternate character friendly. It's alternate character encouraged. All of your money is pooled in the same bank. So all the money that you get on your characters is all in the same. So, so whatever money you earn, it's, it's across the entire account everyone every character pulls from it um your bank is across the account you don't need a special account bank it's all automatically you go to the bank that's that's account wide bank um so lots of quality of life uh aspects that really just make this a lot of fun to just play i mean i'm looking forward to getting into the pvp because when i played Tour, i was huge into the pvp um and I miss playing that, and I really want to get back into it to PVP because I do like that competitive stuff. I mean, that's the other reason I brought up the sports documentary was because I, I do like like I said, there is a, there is a such thing as healthy competition, and I do like participating in it. Um, right now, I'm riding one of the newest mounts that they released with their latest expansion. Um, it's a giant turtle, and the uh, the you you have a second seat that any player can jump in at any time, and they can. Uh, basically use these cannons as you, as you see
1: that is hilarious uh, nice. i love that it's a turtle with rocket jets
0: <laughs> and uh yeah so the elementalist uh, sloth clarified that the elementalist can change weapons out of combat uh but that's kind of like the balancing limitation so is where you can swap weapons with all the other classes because they're different and the the playstyle diversity is just incredible I mean, there's, there's so much, and I don't even know, like, Sloth would be able to shed some light on this. I I don't even know if they're that concerned with balancing in, in the sense, like, yes, they want to try and make it fair for everybody, but my issue with SWOTOR was when I first started playing, there, there was a clear, like, difference of, of, of abilities and, 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 hybrid classes that you could set yourself up for, um, then they went away from that and they went back to the holy trinity so even regardless of if you were a heavy armor healer or a light armor healer uh your heals were good which i did not like i i hated that they did that this game because for one they ignore the holy trinity they seem to be more interested on just the functionality of balance and letting the abilities just just kind of work for themselves so to speak so uh, Slaw says, "Guild Wars 2 is not a pay-to-win. You can pay for cosmetics, boosters, or not because you can earn in-game currency to transfer it to gems and vice versa." Yes, exactly what I was saying earlier. You can play this game for free, all 80 levels without paying a cent. Uh, Star Trek Online has the similar business model. I think it's great. It, it because the thing is, your dedicated players are always going to be in these types of games. And that's what makes them great, is you will always have a player base. There will always be a player base for Star Trek Online, no matter what they do. I mean, I'm one of them. I'm a lifetime player for that game. I've spent a lot of money on that game, but I'm okay with that. I'm not bothered by other people that don't spend any money, because it's it gives an opportunity for other players to experience this game who might be in a financial situation where they can't afford to spend, you know, $30 or $40 a month or, you know, $15 a month on a subscription. Instead, they get full access and uh, they seem to have all the bots under control. I don't know what they're doing for that, but I have not seen a lot of chat spamming, if any at all, on, now that I think about it. So it, it's a very nice game for that regard. So you don't have to spend any money on it. I bought it because I wanted to because i like the product i was i was happy to support it that way and and actually you know get to own a piece of the game um the soundtrack is phenomenal uh you brought up soundtrack earlier in the show being an important part of a game this game nails it it there's different soundtracks for all the different regions and different races um sloth says the community is very helpful friendly there's always people that will help as much as they can yes including people like sloth who is one of those types of players that does uh go out of their way to help other people and i do appreciate players that do that um i don't care what the game is Um, the best way to build a good community is to be willing to set aside that time to help newer players and and star trek has a lot of that uh community element too
1: That sounds definitely like one of the things that I always enjoy about these bigger MMO games is like, coming in late, you don't know anything, and when the community is willing to help the new people, for whatever reason, like different games like World of War, or World of Warcraft, they've given out extra XP for helping out new people, Final Fantasy I think did the same thing, and... If if that's even a thing here in Guild Wars, it's an awesome thing that that's acknowledging that the best way to get new long-term players is if the old long-term players want to have an incentive to help them. That's really cool of this game. Either incentivizes it or curates it inadvertently without incentivizing it, which is it's pretty interesting. It looks yeah, it definitely it... looks like a very fun game. was that, Karen?
2: Yeah, I was going to say City of Heroes actually offered unique titles and badges, to individuals that helped out uh, new players to the game.
1: That's see, that's such a great way because like people love recognition for their efforts, even if it only comes in terms of a title or a banner change. It's just like if you're gonna put that kind of effort into being a what's the word when you uh, people that come to orientation, you're gonna be somebody who's gonna give an orientation. Like, and the game recognizes how often you do that. That's pretty dope.
2: Yeah, uh, City of Heroes actually had a really cool system for that. If you g- leveled, uh, like, went to a level, or sorry, grouped with somebody who was lower level than you, you could either artificially inflate their level to yours uh, for the fight so they got to experience your quest line, or you could artificially deflate to theirs. And help them out with uh, with whatever task.
1: Yeah. Diablo 3 had something like that.
0: Yeah, same thing with this game. Um, Sloth in the chat. I help because New Player at Guild Wars 2 is one of my favorite games. And I know what it's like to start in an unfamiliar game that's so large. Well, I'm gonna, I'll say this, Sloth. The developers really did a great job of not making this game feel too overwhelming. Uh, I think they do a great job of slow dripping you into the environment. However, that said, you're right. This is still an MMO. It can still feel like, especially if you go watch a Let's Play video and someone's max level and they're doing all this crazy stuff. I mean, that, that can feel a little overwhelming. I've shown people Star Trek Online and a lot of times they do get intimidated by my giant power tray. It, it's, it's, it, an MMO is kind of like a second job sometimes, a fun second job, but it's it can be a commitment. Um, this day and age, you know, it's not as ne- as rigorous a commitment as it used to be. I, I think it's definitely gotten a little better overall because uh, the the different games are making it easier. And like I said, this game is not that hard to get into. Um, I, I really am enjoying my Silvari story right now and i'm just enjoying the gameplay and, and all the aspects and then yeah see that I, I actually summoned an, and it's called an air elemental but that thing's clearly a lightning scorpion um
1: <laughs> so pretty hard to show air i know that's why
0: that's well so uh, so for this character you have to pick which element you know means the most to you or which one you follow the most right and, and i King. huh
1: you chose avatar Aang.
0: i chose fire
1: Oh, you did. Because
0: I thought that that fire was going to have lightning because that's what it is in the Avatar. And then I found out air has all the lightning. So I was like, all right. Yeah, it is. But then I realized you're right. Whereas on Avatar, it's easy to show those air powers in the cartoon. I can see from a development perspective, okay, trying to do air as a power... They're kind of limited between like tornadoes and and you know force air blasts, and so they they decided to make lightning part of it, which makes sense from a scientific perspective. I mean, I mean lightning is kind of more of an air element, so to speak. That's that's where it comes from. Uh, mm-hmm. So it, uh, yes, carry on. I believe you would probably be a little bit of an expert in that. Oh uh...
2: Uh, well, I mean, uh, I would say that. Typically, in classical setups, uh, you would find lightning associated with air. Oh, okay. Um, hmm. uh, again, that that's because again, it's more of a, a classical setup. But then you can also look at it from an energy perspective, which would be associated with fire. So, right. It's a delicate dance. It depends on really which mythological system you're basing your your current take on a magical system on i suppose
0: yeah no i mean i'm, I'm definitely going to be playing this game more um i don't know how often we'll, we'll feature it on the show but it, it's definitely it's captured my interest it's done a great job of that and they recently came out you can check the trailers for the newest uh end of dragons expansion that just came out i mean there's there's you know much newer graphics to appreciate in that new expansion that i'm working towards maybe this time i can finally get a character to level 30 (laughs) before before pursuing an alt uh but that's the other thing too from what i understand from some of the other players i've talked to as well is that is that alt progression is actually very easy once you have a character at max level because then you have access to all your mounts and you can you can basically go through stuff a lot faster so it it's it's definitely up there i um I had a friend of mine tell me about this game back in 2012 and he talked about how great it was and I just wasn't that interested. I was actually had just gotten into Tour, so I was like, eh, whatever. Everything he said back then is true to this this point. He, is, he was right about everything. This game clearly, like EVE, seems to stick to its formula. It's not trying to change a bunch of stuff to, to be more attractive. It's, it's just it's just a game that's awesome and fun to play. So, I don't know if it has an Apple version, but I would definitely recommend this to, to anyone. Um, very casual friendly. I mean, I don't feel like I have to go in and, and be the greatest player ever to properly enjoy this game. I, I do feel like... I, I am a more casual gamer. I do get competitive with PvP, but I haven't played any tournaments or anything like that. Um, so, I do think that... And that's just it. A majority of gamers really are casual. We, some people like to think they're not. Whatever. Gaming is supposed to be. Um, it. Games are. Uh, sorry, it's a word I'm trying to think of. Uh, whole point that games were made in the first place it starts with an F. Fun. Fun. Games are supposed to be fun, and and this game is a lot of fun. Yes, they can be challenging. Yes, they can. They can. They can do. You. You could tell a lot of good stories. I'm not saying that that they. You know. At, at the core. Do you get something out of a game? That's what's important to me, and that's what I think is really should be important to any game developer is, what's the point of your game? Why am I playing it? Why should I play it? Well, <laughs> I think I just took like, a whole 30 minutes so far to explain why I think you should play Guild Wars 2. So, any questions, uh, guys, after watching this that you might have for me, or uh, maybe Sloth, if, if they're still in the chat? Oh, Sloth um... actually said something uh the elemental i feel is underappreciated but i use mine a lot there is a website called uh, meta battle for builds true but i make my own builds from scratch yeah i'm kind of the same way sloth i I like to figure out a game on my own Uh -uh. but if i feel i need a performance change then i'll consult an expert anyway carry on sorry you had some
2: yeah i guess my question is for sloth uh Sloth, are uh, you going to keep watching uh, watching after PD here, uh, keeping him out of trouble?
1: Are you going to protect our young warrior on his maiden voyage through your world? It sounds pretty uh, horrific with all these wars started by guilds. Yes. well and
0: that's apparently one of the other aspects i guess there's like a big team battle thing with with the with the game's title the guild wars that that is apparently a lot of fun um and i gotta i gotta really try the pvp i haven't done the pvp just yet because it's like I'm trying to be less egotistical as a person, but you know I haven't played PvP in a while and when you're running around doing story stuff annihilating everything being the big badass it's like a a bit of a slap back in the face when you jump in PvP and you're like all oh, right i'm I'm not as good as I thought <laughs> but I'm gonna do it for probably I't even jump into some tonight.
1: that you know, sounds awesome yeah, yes. enjoy dude
0: ah sloth did reply when i can yeah but if i'm multitasking i'll pop the page open and uh no promises because i can barely keep out of trouble myself (laughs) that's all (laughs) right sloth i uh i appreciate the uh appreciate the effort either way like i said it was it was very very cool of you oh yeah this is an outfit so this is the other thing too sloth put the put their outfit in the chat and i was able to click on it and it automatically pulled up this preview of what it would look like on my character um that's pretty cool again it's the convenience of this game and the quality of life like I can't talk this game up enough I could still go on like I said a whole nother show
1: how about Uh, Transmog that's been something you've talked a lot about Transmog is uh,
0: so the best customization character customization still in my opinion is Star Trek Online um, because you basically get access to a variety of outfits and, and colors that you can use. And yes, yeah, so I'm gonna have to do an STO, an actual STO feature on this this show at some point. But as far as custom goes, Star Trek is still the best. This one is definitely up there. I don't know. I would say it's better than Swotor because uh, you do have when you pull up your character sheet. And you go in and you change your your color dyes. First of all, if you get a die in the game on any character, it's unlocked across the account, and you can basically change the color of each piece of clothing to whatever you want mm. or whatever you have available, but to whatever you want. So it's kind of like it's got it's got SwoTor beat on that. The only thing it's not quite got it beat on at least yet yet is uh, some of the clothing customization options seem fairly limited, but i don't know i'm not an end game yet i can't really speak to i would say that as far as as early game transmog goes yes you can still kind of get the look that you want um and you're going to get different clothing throughout that you get to keep you get to actually unlock the skin so you don't actually have to hold on to them physically they're unlocked so when you go into what's called the wardrobe you can select whatever clothing you want now to change the clothing you do have to use a currency for each piece of gear and you get you can get those for free you um so far the way that i've earned the two that i have now is by completely exploring a map so doing all my vistas checking out all the points of interest getting all the teleporters and basically that's that's how you get your your transmog uh currency and slot says yeah you can use dies and transmog and guild wars 2 as well yes so it does have a transmog system but it does seem to be and i think you can purchase these things so if you want like a bunch of outfits without having to put in the effort there's there's ways like like we both said it's it's pay for convenience not really pay to win um it's not a subscription based game so you can just play it whenever and, and however um uh yeah there's there's even a character called a mesmer which is kind of like a magician from what i understand i'm not too familiar with that class and then there's necromancer which uh which which sloth uh, was playing earlier in the stream um you know you conjure up and summon a bunch of downed adversaries uh let's see there's the, let's see, the thief the one i haven't really touched that i've heard a lot can be a lot of fun is the engineer you're mostly working with uh, uh tools and machines with that one and uh yeah i think i hit all the hit all the classes um cool uh, so yeah great game all around uh currently a a seven out of seven for me would would absolutely recommend at least trying once um sloth says there are millions of selections of changing them to your like yes yes so you get all these different clothings throughout and like i said you unlock the skins and it's uh it's a lot of writing Anything else on your mind? I mean, you guys seem to be really glued to the stream.
1: I was just noticing uh, Slot the Unlucky responded again. For example, I have well over 50 helmet skins unlocked thus far. Keep in mind, that's just for the helmet alone. Pretty dope. That's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, no, Star Trek has a wide variety as well. That's what I I look for in an MMO. I really am, because uh, especially in the Western market a lot of people are individualists and so they want that ability to properly express themselves and so i mean there's there's some people that i met playing star trek that only played for the clothing and i wouldn't be surprised if i encountered a player in guild wars that was like yeah i don't care about the lore or the powers or anything i just uh i just like to look fabulous which cool i mean whatever keeps you whatever keeps you interested um
2: that's it
1: Kieran, you had something to say
2: no i'm i'm good man yeah. <sighs>
1: Well, in that case, uh, I think let's take this time to address tomorrow. May the 4th be with you in yes. our State of the Star Wars address.
0: Tomorrow is our... We have a special guest joining us. Um, you might have seen him on, on other uh, with other various pop culture uh, powerhouses out there on the YouTube and on the Twitch. Um, Mexican Iron Man will be joining us tomorrow. Um, we'll be joining our little crew of three. We will have four. And we are going to discuss, um, the first couple, uh, first couple hours, we'll mostly be discussing the original six Star Wars movies and deciding which is the best, well, at least if we can come to a consensus of which is the best, not to be confused with your favorite, but we will discuss and argue about that all day tomorrow. And then after we do our formal discussion, and if we do come to a consensus or not, We will be open season everything Star Wars. The Disney Wars movies, Rebels.
1: Um, We've seen it where we want it to go, where we hope it will go, and where we think it will go. Yep.
0: Mandalorian, Clone Wars, all of it. All Star Wars, everything is on. If you want to get on a tirade about the extended universe, talk about your favorite Star Wars book that's no longer canon according to Disney. Disney that'll be the time to rant and rave and it's i mean we're not even well i mean i was hoping a couple more people would show up but it's okay we'll still have a fun lively unmoderated discussion amongst ourselves and and, you know hopefully we won't lose any friends in the process but uh well
3: and
2: there's also something else that might happen i might have to formally challenge mexican iron man to a lightsaber duel
0: (laughs) An overstream lightsaber duel. Oh, I got I to find mine. Uh, I got mine. Here <laughs> <laughs> but, uh,
1: change the game.
0: Um, yeah. But, but uh, yeah, I might actually have to bust my lightsaber out tomorrow. And I actually mean. Oh, there lightsaber. we go. Uh, not to be confused with other euphemisms. Um. <laughs> so, so, yes, we will be having a, a long uh, Star Wars discussion.
1: Um, Comments tomorrow. encouraged. Encouraged. Yes, so, we like, absolutely want to answer uh, sloth. And ask questions. If, if
0: you have Star Wars friends or you're into Star Wars please come and enjoy the discussion we will try to make everybody a part of it uh, you know we might even reach out and give the opportunity for any members of the audience to possibly join the stream and, and, and hot swap them in but we'll see um, still got uh, still got some particulars to work out with that but I'm looking forward to it it's our big May the fourth uh, special edition stream and, uh, yeah, like I said, no, no real determined time. So, even if you miss, it'll be starting at our regular showtime of uh, 5.30 Pacific, 8.30 Eastern. And we'll be going for as long as, well, as long as we feel like it. And as long as the discussion is lively and interesting and everyone's sharing their their, their theories, their personal canons, their, uh,
1: what they love and don't
0: love about about Star Wars, all discussion about Star Wars is on the, is up for... up for discussion and encouraged i've been
1: prepping i decided to watch the the three trilogies I, i i still even though i know that the newest trilogy is the worst trilogy i respect that it is technically ip canon Yeah, well not in any way of a good way.
0: I think I thought one of my friends from Super Gamecraft was gonna join, but I'll have to double check with him and follow up with him on that. But um
1: Heck yeah. But so I I, I approached this new rewatch in anticipation. I'm watching the first episode of each trilogy, then the second episode, and then the third, and comparing and contrasting. And uh yeah. Should
2: I have the, the medical team ready for the the third episode of the Disney sequels? You
1: know, uh, you know I don't get why that's the one me. that gets the most hate. The second one of the Disney sequels oh, it, is, it, it is worse. ultimately the worst. The third one was recovering from that and also rolling down a bigger, steeper hill. But, I I mean, I was rewatching. The the, just the difference between the universe that George Lucas set up in the first first movie, A New Hope, he changed a lot of the premises. Like it really seemed like Obi-Wan and Anakin were both from Tatooine and they both joined and ditched Tatooine together only for Obi-Wan to come back to Tatooine and start his own farm. You know, kind of like old World War II Americans did. But then the second one made it, or the second first movie, uh, Phantom Menace, really felt like he was creating this whole world of basically like witches across the universe that were their own independent covens of the council, and the Grand Council was the one located in Coruscant, and it really feels like the grand council was the only ones tricked by the uh the dark side and we would have like i really feel like he set it up that the uh the other jedi and the other covens would have had more of a chance to fight and i i just i didn't notice that until, like, really trying to draw the differences between the two stories. Like, Darth Vader is very much Merlin um, in, in, in his darkest form in A New Hope. Okay. And the way that he guides over the council, like, they're like, oh, we've got this Death Star. And he's like, it's still no power for the uh, Force. And everyone's like, "Okay, chill yeah. your witch powers."
0: And, and that's that's gonna conclude our little teaser into tomorrow's more in depth discussion. And Sloth says that they yeah. like the Star Wars universe. Well, come on down and have some some fun because we're gonna we're gonna discuss. Uh, I'd just like to say real quick to any of our listeners listening to the podcast, you can just join our discussion live every Tuesday at uh, six thirty or, or six thirty Mountain uh, Mountain time.
1: Five thirty. Pacific.
0: I'm Pete York with Ryder Brothers. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next week. Night everybody.